Grace Church, so good to see all of you. Uh, my name is is Brandon. I'm the pastor here, and it is week two of our Advent series. Uh, in Advent, some of you like maybe you know that word because you have an Advent calendar that you do with your family, or maybe you know that word because um, you went to Mass with your grandmother growing up. Um, I'm not sure how you know the word Advent, or maybe you don't know what that means. It simply um, is the anticipation of the arrival of a notable person, and that's what December is all about. It is an anticipation for what Christmas means and who came and who lived and who died um, in the person of Jesus. And this month, we're living in that anticipation. And we're looking at how the birth of Jesus in the Christmas story satisfied the four deep longings that every single human being has. So every single person in this room, whether you would call yourself spiritual or whether you would call yourself not spiritual, there are four longings that all of us have. We long for hope. We long for peace, we long for joy, and we long for love. All of us, we long for those things, and Jesus satisfies every single one of those longings. And last week, we talked about our longing for hope and to put our hope in something that won't fail us. And we looked at the Christmas story and how not only is Jesus the hope that we need, but he is also the hope for all the world. He's unchanging, he's always loving, and he's willing to meet us right where we are. And today we're going to shift our focus to the next great longing in our heart. In a world that's filled with war, in a world that is filled with unrest and division and pain and loss, the next longing that Jesus looks to satisfy in our hearts is the longing for peace. We're all longing for peace. And so just as uh, what we're going to be doing each week, I'd like to invite out uh, Becky Lundberg, um, who was just singing on our worship team, and she's going to be lighting the hope candle and the peace candle, uh, candle of Advent. And these candles, we light, we're going to be lighting them every single week. And each week, the light is meant to be a representation that the light of the world, Jesus, came into darkness, into our world, and brought a light, brought hope and peace and joy and love. So Becky's going to read a passage of scripture and then she's going to light the candles. To us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Thank you, Becky. Hope and peace. Maybe you've ever, uh, I'm curious, have you ever had something in your life that maybe shocked you or shattered your world? 
So maybe it, it could be, maybe you lost your job unexpectedly. Maybe you had a friend or thought you had a friend that stabbed you in the back. Could it be an unplanned pregnancy or maybe a miscarriage? Or maybe you learned something about a spouse or a child or a friend that shocks you and turns your world upside down. I was 19 years old, and I was home from college on a break, and I had just finished my eight-hour shift at minimum wage at Olympia Sports. Um, Man, those were the days. Good old Olympia Sports. And I had been working all day. I came home, and I I ate dinner and, uh, you know, hung out with my family for a little while. I think we watched football or something, and um, went up to go get, get ready for bed, and I was laying in my bed and I was about to fall asleep and all of a sudden my phone rang and this was back in the day when uh, it was, I had a black Motorola Razor. You guys remember that phone? Oh my gosh, that's my favorite phone that's ever existed. You flip that thing open, right? You were ready to go. But I look and it's, it's a mentor of mine on the caller ID and I've, he's been a part of my life for a long time ever since I was young and it was, it was kind of late for him to be calling. And so I answer, say, hey, what's going on? He goes, hey, I have some, some pretty tough news. Um, and he told me that one of my best childhood friends um, who had gotten into the Coast Guard had gone off on a hike and he had been missing for two to three days. And he let me know that they had um, just found his body in a crevice, he had slipped and fallen um, and had passed away. He was 19 years old. And I just remember, I remember falling out of my bed and laying on the carpet. I can still feel the carpet. And I remember just weeping. And I remember, I remember the questions that went through my head. God, why? Why? He was 19. I was so confused and I was angry. In my whole world, because as another 19-year-old, it was so easy for me to think that could have been me. And maybe you've had a moment like that, where your world was shattered. We all have these moments in our lives, and it's, this is actually how the Christmas story begins, In Luke chapter 1, we have someone whose entire world is turned upside down like a snow globe and shaken and then put back and left them in a place of distress. In Luke chapter 1, verses 27 to 29, it says this, in the sixth month, sorry, 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. 
Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Now listen to verses 29. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. See, in this moment, a teenage girl engaged to be married had just found out that she was pregnant. And in that culture, in that context, the punishment for pregnancy outside of marriage was that the man and the woman would be dragged out of the city and stoned to death. And at this very moment, Mary realizes that not only is she pregnant, but also that her only story is that an angel showed up and told me that it's the Son of God, so it's all good. That doesn't exactly hold up in the court of law. It seemed all but lost. And in the moments in our lives when it seems all but lost, when every turn in our life is filled with pain and we're left confused and distressed, what do we do? Where do we turn? And what I want to propose to you today is that we find the answer to that question, to those questions in the story of Christmas. Because peace isn't found in a place, it isn't found in a career, it isn't found in a political party, it isn't found in money. Peace is a person. Peace is a person to truly find lasting peace in our lives. There's only one place to turn. There's only one person that can offer you lasting peace in your life. And it's only through putting your faith and trust in Jesus can you find peace. This very peace that Paul describes in his letter to the church in Philippi, he says, it is a peace that surpasses all understanding that as As you lay on the floor weeping, you can find peace. You can have peace. In the book of Isaiah, the prophet, um, this was Isaiah chapter 9. If you want to turn there right now, it's right in the middle of your, like basically dead smack in the middle of your Bible. Isaiah chapter 9, this was the Old Testament, which is the first half of the Bible. And Isaiah was a prophet. And Isaiah comes to speak truth and, and to prophesy about the future king to the people of Israel to give them hope. And to also convict them of the ways that they were living disobediently. But in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, the prophet Isaiah prophesies that Jesus not only will be born, which he says hundreds of years before Jesus ever is born, not only does he prophesy that, but he also prophesies and says, here are some of the names that this Savior will be called. We heard those names, what Becky read earlier, Isaiah 9, verse 6. For a child is born to us, a son is is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. The people of Israel were in a dark place. They were in a dark place without a lot of hope, 
And without a lot of understanding, they were confused. They were distressed, longing for a Savior that had been promised to them for thousands of years. And this morning, perhaps there are a lot of different words that you would use to describe your life, but peaceful isn't one of them. Remember how Mary described, is described in Luke chapter 1, confused and disturbed. And you're like, that's me. Confused and disturbed. Because as Mary looked around, and maybe as you look around, you're left wondering, how can I find peace in my current circumstances? Brandon, just scroll through Instagram. Scroll through the news. Turn on the TV. Look at the media. Maybe some of you still have newspapers. I open up the newspaper. How can I find peace in this? Peace found in the person of Jesus, it doesn't change your circumstances. That's not what I'm telling you. What it does do is change your heart. Peace found in Jesus does not change your circumstances. It changes your heart because in dark times, in dark circumstances, in times of distress, and when we feel all but lost, it's in those moments that the peace that we have that's changed our heart reminds us of who Jesus is and what he is called by Isaiah in chapter 9. And that first name is Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful counselor. We have a lot of professional counselors actually in our church. And what's one of the goals of a counselor? It's to help their client find a path to peace. Wonderful counselor. I love what Charles Spurgeon, who was a a great pastor a, a hundred years ago, this is what he says when it comes to wonderful counselor. Oh, I thought this was so powerful. He says, it was by a counselor that this world was ruined. Did not Satan mask himself in the serpent and counsel the woman with exceeding craftiness that she should take unto herself of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the hope that thereby she should be as God? Was it not that evil counsel which provoked our mother Eve to rebel against her maker? And did it not, as the effect of sin, bring death into this world with its all its train of woe? Ah, beloved, it was meet that the world should have a counselor to restore it if it had a counselor to destroy it. Satan, in all of his craftiness, shows up in the form of a serpent and counsels Eve and says, I think... This is what you need to know. Did God really say that? I don't think he did. Why don't you just try this? Why don't you just do this? And in that moment, destroys the relationship between God and man. And then along comes the wonderful counselor to restore, to renew While Satan, the wicked counselor, came to bring turmoil, Jesus, the wonderful counselor, came to bring peace. While Satan came to bring death, Jesus came to bring life. While Satan came to steal and destroy, Jesus came to offer eternal hope. 
the wicked counselor versus the wonderful counselor. And let me be clear. At every moment of every day, you are listening to one or the other. You are listening to counsel from one or the other. There is no middle ground. So wonderful counselor, Jesus is called. Then he is referred to Isaiah as mighty God. When you feel weak, he is strong. When you feel your life falling apart, he holds it together. When you're weary and tired, he offers you strength. The same God that raised Jesus from the dead, the same God that spoke creation into existence, the same God that gave everything for you, that same God is mighty enough to intervene when you feel distressed and bring peace to a situation filled with broken pieces. Why? Because he is mighty. Because he is mighty. Then it goes on, Isaiah says, he is everlasting. The Hebrew word for everlasting here is intended to reveal that Jesus is eternal, that he has no beginning, he has no end. And John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5 reaffirms this idea. It says that in the beginning, the word already existed. The word is Jesus. The word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. What I love about this imagery is exactly what we see in these candles. If we turned off all the light in here, the darkness could not extinguish these lights. The darkness, all the darkness in this room could not blow these candles out. And it's the same with Jesus. All the darkness of the world could not put out the light that he was to all people and the light that he is to you and I. He has been since the beginning. He always will be. In him, everything was created and he offers light to everyone in the darkness, he, the peace that he offers, it never changes, it never fades away. While things may come and go in our lives that are temporary, then offer us temporary peace. The Bible reveals that Jesus offers everlasting peace to those that choose to follow him. And then lastly, Isaiah says, he is the prince of peace. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who is a German theologian and pastor who was eventually killed by Hitler, martyred by Hitler, was known by others for having a peace that surpassed all understanding. Even as Nazis marched, even as the world descended into another world war, he had peace. And when somebody asked him about it, this is how he responded. There is no way to peace along the way of safety. For peace must be dared. It is the great venture. It can never be made safe. Peace is the opposite of security. Peace means to give oneself altogether to the law of God. Battles are won not with weapons, but with God. They are won where the way leads to the cross. What Dietrich is getting at is that the way for you and I to find peace peace is not through playing it safe 
the way that you and I find peace and find peace in the person of Jesus is through surrender. It's through letting go. It's through saying, not my will, but your will be done. God, not what I want, but what you want. And when we say those words, we are living dangerously. When you say the words, not my will, but your will, not only will you experience peace, but you will live dangerously. Because you are setting aside what you want, the safety of what you want. Listen, we want to feel secure. We want to feel comfortable. And when we say, God, not what I want, but what you want, we are saying, I'm willing to live in discomfort, but know that I have peace. Jesus' death on the cross represents that there can now be peace between man and God that he came and he died so that we could find ultimate peace in the arms of our loving father. He came to restore the broken relationship between man and God to be that wonderful counselor, to pay the price that we could never pay. The Prince of Peace came so that we may find shalom. Now, shalom, maybe you've heard that word before because it's often used in Jewish greetings with one another. Shalom literally translated in the Old Testament is a word for peace, and it, it literally means to be made whole again. Often the imagery that goes with this sort of word, with shalom, is a building that's built with bricks or stone where there are no cracks and it's made perfectly unified. It's made completely whole. That is what... Jesus offers us is a shalom, a peace that makes us whole. And I know there are some of you in this room that you're craving to be made whole. You're craving to be made whole. And Jesus this morning is offering you the chance to be made whole again. You're longing for a peace that you can feel that makes you whole. And through Jesus, he offers you shalom. He offers it to you freely. In hopes that not only do we find that peace and take it and claim it for ourselves, but also that we would share it with others and help others find shalom. See, peace is a gift received, but it's also a gift to give. Peace is a gift received, and it's also a gift to give. Jesus was talking with his disciples in John chapter 14, and he says this, I'm leaving you with what? A gift. What is that gift? Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. The world cannot give you the peace that you are craving. It can't. The peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Those that have chosen to follow Jesus receive the wonderful gift of everlasting peace that cannot be found in this world.
a peace that surpasses all understanding, a peace that never lets us down. And for those who have received this gift of peace, why would you not want others to experience it as well? Why would you not want other people to find that same shalom, that same peace, that same feeling of wholeness? I think about uh, a few weeks ago, my wife um, gave me a gift that I will, I will never forget. My wife and some friends. So I turned 30 at the end of October and my wife just kept saying, I, I have a great surprise for you. You're going to love it. But she wouldn't tell me what it was. And I absolutely hate surprises. So it was miserable miserable for like a month and a half. She just kept saying, second week of November, you'll find out. Second week of November, you'll find out. Second week. I was, it was really, we went to counseling. It was really, it was, it was tough. I'm <laughs> just kidding. And finally, it's the night, it's like November, I don't remember what it was, 13th or something. And she's like, all right, tonight you got to pack a bag. It's like, I don't know what I'm packing for, so you're going to have to pack it. And so she's like, you know, pack cold, pack for cold weather. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is happening? Next morning, at this point, I still don't know what's happening. Next morning, she's like, 5 a.m., get up. We're getting in the car. She drives me to Logan Airport. And she's like, all right, here's what's happening. And she hands me a plane ticket. She says, you're flying to Denver. Okay. And I'm sitting there in the airport in my terminal just 5 a.m., like, what is happening? And all of a sudden, one of my best friends from college walks by me, and he sits down next to me, and I was like, dude, what are you doing here? And he goes, oh, I'm going with you. It's like, oh, this is amazing. And I had another friend that met me there, and it was just an unbelievable trip. This is a little picture. Um, We spent our time four-wheeling in the mountains and hiking. We went and uh, visited this old mining community from the 1800s and um, saw four moose in 10 minutes. Uh, it was awesome. We went hiking. We had some, we went to some great breweries and coffee shops and food spots and we just hung out for a few days and it was so much fun. And you know what I did when I came back? Every person I saw, I said, you have to go to Colorado. You have, like, I'm telling all of you here this morning, you have to go to Colorado. Like, go to Denver, drive through the mountains, see the 14,000 foot mountains and experience that crisp, cool air. Watch the sunrise, stand at the base of a mountain and just look up and be reminded of how small you really are. Like, do it. Go to Colorado. Shouldn't we want to share the peace that we've found with others with the same fervor that we talk about a movie we just saw that we liked or a trip that we went on that other people need to experience? Why is it, and listen, I'm talking to myself right now too, why is it that sometimes I get more passionate about talking about a trip to Denver, Colorado than I do the peace of Jesus. Why is it? We have, for those that have chosen to follow Jesus, we have a shalom, a a wholeness, a peace that the rest of the world, remember what Jesus said, it cannot be found in the world. We need to give it to others. We need to help them find it.
In fact, Jesus talks about people that work to bring peace around them. He says in Matthew 5, he said, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. Another way to say this, maybe this is in your translation of the Bible, says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they are called the children of God. Why are they called the children of God? Well, there's one other child of God that embodied peace. It was the Son of God. It was Jesus. It was the Prince of Peace. So when we actively choose to fight for peace and bring peace with us wherever we go, we are called the children of God. Why? Because we look like the Son of God. Because we look like Jesus. I love how Sun Valley Church illustrates the difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. Right? Those aren't the same things. A peacemaker and a peacekeeper are two very different things. Peacemakers don't seek out conflict. Instead, they take the initiative to work through issues instead of around issues. Peacemakers don't accuse, they inquire. Love that. We need to do more inquiring in our culture. Peacemakers learn to build bridges, not walls. That's what a peacemaker does. That's somebody that's actively trying to bring peace everywhere they go. And once we find peace in the person of peace, we're then called to be peacemakers to help others discover the same free gift that is being offered to them. However, just because we find peace, it doesn't mean our lives will be easy. In fact, Jesus tells us that things are only going to get harder once we choose to follow him. And it's in those times when things get really hard and our circumstances get really dark and it feels like the the tunnel's closing in. It's in those times we have to remember that God's peace comes with promises. Remember the last time we saw Mary, go, go to Luke chapter one. The last time we saw Mary, the words that were used to describe her are confused and disturbed. But then if we jump ahead to Luke chapter one, verse 38, it says, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And then the angel left her. That doesn't sound like somebody that's confused and disturbed. So what happened? Well, Right before this in 35 to 37, the angel makes her some promises. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. Now listen to this last verse, verse 37. The word of God will never fail. The word of God will never fail. Now the first promise that the the angel Gabriel makes is he says, listen, the Holy Spirit's going to come. The Holy Spirit's going to come and rest on you. The Holy Spirit is God's spirit that lives within those that have chosen to follow him. It's through the Holy Spirit that we're reminded of where and whom we should look to when we feel and and are lost, confused, and hopeless. Jesus actually, to go back to, to John chapter 14, Jesus actually 
tells those that follow him, he makes this promise. He says, listen, the Holy Spirit's going to come and be your advocate. He's going to be with you even when I leave. John chapter 14, if you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. And Jesus goes on in the next few verses to tell his disciples that the Holy Spirit reminds us of who God is and the promises that he's made and all that Jesus taught. The Holy Spirit is the one that reminds us that Jesus is mighty and everlasting and wonderful counselor and prince of peace. When we feel confused and disturbed and distressed, just as Mary did, the Holy Spirit is the one that reminds us, listen, here is what God said, here is who God is, and here is what God will do for you. So that's the first promise. And that promise is just as true for Mary as it is for you and I, if we choose to follow Jesus. And then the next promise that the angel makes, which I love, he, he gives an example with it. So the next promise the angel makes, he says, listen, the word of the Lord will never fail. From cover to cover in this book, every single word in that statement, the angel says, it will never fail. Every word you read in this book, Old Testament to New Testament, This will never fail. And the angel uses Mary's relative, Elizabeth, to prove this point to her. That what God says will come to pass will always, always, always come to pass. Look at this, Luke chapter 1, verse 13. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. Jump ahead to verse 18. So that's the promise, right? That's the promise made right there, that Elizabeth will have a son. Verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years, which very wise wording from Zechariah. doesn't drop the age there. (laughs) Then the angel said, oh gosh, I love this. I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures, which I could just imagine Zechariah coming out, could talk when he went in, couldn't talk when he came out. He's trying to tell them what happened. They realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Here we go. God made a promise. God's word will never fail. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind 
the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. And Mary, without doubt, had known that her relative Elizabeth was not only very old, but had been barren her entire life. And Gabriel shows up to say, listen, God's word will never fail and let me prove it to you. He promised your old barren relative, Elizabeth, a child, and she is now six months pregnant. So if God says he's going to take care of you and he's going to overshadow you and he's going to send the Holy Spirit, guess what, Mary? He will. Because his word will never fail. And all throughout scripture, there are examples of God's word never failing. Even when in our eyes, we would have called it impossible. When God speaks, it doesn't matter if man calls it impossible. It will be done. And now in the ultimate example of God's word never failing, he's delivered his promised savior in the most impossible of ways, a little baby born to a teenager in a cave. But it's through this promise that the word of God will never fail that Mary receives peace. Because if that is true, if God's word never will fail, we're promised that he will never leave us or forsake us, that he hears every cry, that he will wipe away every tear, that he's with us in the dark times, in the valley of the shadow of death, and he's with us as we climb to the mountaintop. And this morning, I want to remind you that he will never fail. He sees you. He is for you. He will never forsake you. He can take broken things and renew their beauty. He can bring life to dead things. He can restore marriages. He can bring healthy healing. He can bring healing to pain. He can offer you a new life. For those of you that have trusted in him, his promises come with peace. The question this morning is, have you chosen to trust him? Have you chosen to trust him? Please, peace, it doesn't come through a promotion. It does not come through finances. We cannot find peace outside of the prince of peace. And so this morning, if you've chosen to follow Jesus, my simple question for you is, are you searching for peace outside of Jesus this morning? Do you feel distressed and confused? And if so, this is my gentle reminder to you to just return to Jesus. He tells us in his word that he is a well that will never run dry. He tells us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He tells us that he is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and the prince of peace. So while your circumstances may not change, he's ready to walk with you through it all and offer you peace in the midst of your circumstances. Now, maybe you haven't chosen to follow Jesus in this room. You, you, you're, you're still trying to figure all of this out. You're, it's your first time here. It's your first time in a church since you were young. You've been searching. You, you've tried all of these different things, you're, and your heart feels lost this morning. You feel confused, and you've, you've been trying to find peace in a lot of different places. And maybe this morning, the last place that you thought you'd try is church. Because 
You've tried relationships, you've tried money, you've tried your career, maybe you've even tried other spiritual avenues, hoping that they would bring you peace like psychics or crystals or astrology or whatever it may be, and none of them, and I mean none of them, have left you feeling at peace. You're still searching for that shalom, that that feeling of wholeness. And so this morning, I just want to simply ask, would you turn to Jesus? Would you turn to the person of peace? Would you turn to the Prince of Peace? Would you turn to the wonderful Counselor and invite Him to be the Lord of your life? Peace comes with risk because it comes with surrender. This morning, are you willing to take that risk? Would you come to him with all your mess and your questions and let him be Lord of your life? And to close, I want to read the lyrics to a popular Christmas carol. Some of you may know it's called A Little Town of Bethlehem. And I'm going to read it slowly, and I want want you to just kind of listen to these words. If it helps you close your eyes, I don't However you need to focus to hear these words, these powerful words written by Phillips Brooks about 200 years ago. Because I think it's a beautiful picture of the peace that Jesus brings and offers to each of us. It says this, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. For Christ is born of Mary and gathered all above. While mortals sleep, the angels keep their watch of wandering love. O morning stars together, proclaim thy holy birth, and praises sing to God the King, and peace to men on earth. God, this morning, as we close in prayer, we ask that you would seal these things in our heart. That these words would not have fallen on deaf ears and cold hearts, but rather you, God, teach us how to be givers of peace wherever we go. We thank you for the Prince of Peace and the the gift that he offers those that follow him, which is everlasting peace, a shalom in hard times. God, I pray for the person in this room that maybe isn't following Jesus. I pray that you would speak to their heart right now and they wouldn't walk out of this place without turning from their sin, their their selfishness, their disobedience 
towards God and selfishness towards others, God, that they would turn from living that way and living for themselves and surrender to you. And the Bible says that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord and confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart that he is Lord will be saved. will be saved, will be brought from death to life and given peace. God, help us for those that are following Christ. Help us to be people of peace in a world filled with chaos. We pray all of this in the mighty name of the wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace, Jesus. Amen.